Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Hey folks, Pastor here. Glad to be with you once again on this uh, Sunday morning. What a beautiful day. I am so thankful for uh, this day that God has made. Uh, we're gonna rejoice and be glad in it. I hope that you have your favorite drink with you and your family gathered around uh, and get your Bibles if you would. We're gonna be in Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26, I'm gonna be preaching to you on uh, betrayed for our benefit, betrayed for our benefit. Matthew 26 verses 46, 40, I'm sorry, 47 through 56. Matthew 26, 47 through 56. Verse 47 of the Bible in Matthew chapter 26 reads this way. And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew a sword and struck a servant of the high priests and smote off his ear. Then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into its place. For all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? In that same hour said Jesus to the multitudes, Are ye come out against a thief with swords and staves for to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple, and ye laid no hold on me. But all this was done, that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to open up and take a look into your word and see how your dear son was betrayed for our benefit. Lord, I pray that you would take this time and that you would use it in the lives of those who know you. And I pray for those who may be watching and listening that, uh, that do not know you, that they would come to the saving knowledge of you. I thank you for this opportunity to be able to share your word. I love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Julius and Ethel Rosenberg were, Amer were an American couple accused of spying for the Soviet Union during the Cold War. Both Rosenbergs were uh, Jewish people from uh, families in New York City. They married in 1993, and Julius served in the military throughout World War II until he was discharged for previous involvement with the Communist Party. Throughout the Cold War, the Rosenbergs provided thousands of top-secret reports on uh, aeronautics and atomic bomb construction, 
to the Soviets, as well as recruiting sympathizers to their cause. Both Julius and Ethel were charged with treason and conspiracy to commit espionage, and in 1950, a federal grand jury indicted them. Ethel was unable to complete her testimony and left the courthouse, and her attorney uh, begged for a parole so that she could make arrangements for her two young children to be cared for. The request was denied, and both Rosenbergs were pressured into incriminating others who had been involved in the spying ring, but they refused to provide any more information. The trial began on, in March 1951. When asked about their involvement in spying, the couple asserted their Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. They were convicted and sentenced to death the following month and were executed by the electric chair on June 19, 1953. Decoded Soviet documents showed Julius had been involved as a courier and a recruiter for the Soviets, but Ethel's involvement was not as clear. It seems that her brother David Greenglass, who had worked on the Manhattan Project, had thrown her under the bus in his testimony to save his own wife, who had been the one typing up the documents. In 2001, Greenglass recanted his testimony about Ethel saying, I frankly think my wife did that typing, but I don't remember. He said he gave a false testimony to protect himself and his wife and had been encouraged by the prosecution to do so. Still, Greenglass felt no remorse as he said, he would not sacrifice my wife for my sister. Have you ever felt betrayed? Maybe you've told somebody something in confidence and they told others. It could be that you trusted someone in whom you thought was your friend and when put to the test, that person turned on you. Maybe you trusted a relative and they took from you your very innocence. It's horrible to be betrayed. Julius and Ethel, especially Ethel in this case, obviously Julius was guilty, but looks like Ethel could have been betrayed and it cost her her life. And it's very difficult to be betrayed and sometimes it's very hard to forgive those who have betrayed us, but we're still to forgive. But I want you to think about this. Though no one likes to be betrayed, we've all been betrayed at one point in our lives and we've probably all betrayed someone else. But no one has ever been betrayed like the Lord Jesus Christ. The betrayal of Christ cost him his life in order that we could have life. That's what I want you to take home today that Jesus was willing. He knew he was going to be betrayed. He knew it. It's one thing if we know it and what happens, we put up our defenses. We defend ourselves from being betrayed. Jesus knew that he was going to be betrayed and yet he gave his life in order that we could have life. See, Jesus was not betrayed in order that we could just have salvation and live our lives any way that we want. Jesus was betrayed in order for us to have salvation so that we would live our lives in a new way. I want you to take a look at a couple truths or, or aspects or principles that the betrayal of Jesus teaches us 
so that we know how to live our lives properly. I want you to take a look first at verses 47 through 50. The principle here is Jesus, friend of sinners. Jesus, friend of sinners. The betrayal of Jesus teaches us how we are to live. Jesus, friend of sinners. Have you ever noticed how Judas is described in this passage? Matthew calls Judas one of the twelve in verse 47. And there's almost a little bit of disdain in there. Jesus calls Judas friend in verse 50. I understand that, that Judas is mentioned in verse 48 as he that betrayeth him. But that seems to be overshadowed by the two other statements. That, that Judas was one of the twelve. And again, there might be a little bit of disdain in there. Like, yeah, he was one of the twelve, but we wish that he wasn't. But then Jesus overshadows that he was the one who was betrayed by Judas by calling him friend. See, I think if I was the writer of Scripture, I would have described Judas in a very different way. I would have probably used the most ugly and derogatory terms that one could use to describe Judas. If you were to look in extra-biblical writings and writers of history, you would find that they were very malicious in what they had to say about Judas. In the apocryphal book, which is not inspired, entitled The Story of Joseph of Arimathea, it teaches that Judas was the nephew of Caiaphas, the high priest, and that Judas was sent to infiltrate the disciples and spy on Jesus in order to bring the destruction of Jesus to pass. He was underhanded. He was deceitful. In the ancient manuscript called The Coptic Narratives of the Ministry and Passion, it says that Judas's wife was so greedy for money that she set the whole thing up and, she, and that Judas was just nothing but a pawn in the whole scheme. In a 12th century writing called the legendary Aura, it says that Judas was cast into the sea by his parents when he was young. He survived their throwing him away and years later arrived back in the land of Palestine and wound up serving Pontius Pilate. The point is, the writer was trying to emphasize that Judas was so wicked as a child that his parents could think of nothing else better to do than throw him into the ocean. And though these are fictitious stories, it, it, they're, they're, I'm giving them to you to, to understand the idea of how extra-biblical writers even felt about Jew, Judas. I mean, when was the last time that you ever heard of anybody named Judas? Before the betrayal of Jesus, Judas was a very common name. Many people used it, but not after. See, the point is that Judas was a very hated man because of what he did to Jesus. But when you look at the description of Jesus, of Judas, you see none of that. Jesus could have called Judas a traitor, a deceiver, a betrayer, a backstabber, a double-crosser, a viper, a defector, or an apostate. And friend, if Jesus would have called Judas that, or any other of, of uh, derogatory names, he would have been justified in doing so because that's exactly what Judas was. But Jesus calls him friend. Though this is not the normal word for friend, it has to do with companion or associate or one who is associated with someone, it's still very kind compared to what Jesus could have said to describe Judas. 
But even in the way that Jesus described Judas as a companion or an associate, I don't know that that's even acceptable to us when we think of Judas anything less than a vile person. But Jesus called Judas friend. Not because Judas was Jesus' friend, for he wasn't. But Jesus was Judas' friend. See, Jesus is a friend of sinners. All over and over in Scripture, you find that he says that he's a friend of sinners. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad about that. In Luke chapter 15 and verse 2, the Bible says, And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. In Luke chapter 7 and verse 34, the Bible says, The Son of Man is coming, eating and drinking, and yea, and ye say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. You know, it's a precious truth. It's a precious biblical truth that Jesus is the friend of sinners. But we've got to understand that Jesus is not, not saying that he's soft on sin. When we use the term that Jesus is a friend of sinners, there's a tendency to think that Jesus was casual about sin. What happens is that the term Jesus, friend of sinners, moves from Jesus ate with sinners, becomes Jesus loves a good party, becomes Jesus was more interested in showing love than taking sides. See, we've got to be careful to understand that it doesn't mean that and what it means for Jesus to be a friend of sinners. See, Jesus was not a nonchalant kind of Messiah when it came to sin or sinners. What we know about Jesus is that sinners were drawn to him. And when it says that Jesus is a friend of sinners, it means that Jesus gladly spent time with sinners who listened to his teaching and that he forgave those who were repentant of their sin, and he embraced those who believed in him. See, the world still saw them as publicans and sinners and prostitutes. But when they listened to the teachings of Jesus and repented of their sins, Jesus no longer saw them as that. See, in the betrayal of Jesus, he teaches us how we are to live in light of those who are without Christ. He's a friend to sinners. Are you a friend to sinners? Do you have any friends that do not know Christ as their personal Savior, but are looking for truth? See, Jesus' betrayal cost him his life so that we could have life. We are to live as friends to sinners. But secondly, number two, Jesus trusted the Father. Verses 51 through 53, and it says, And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew a sword and struck a servant of the high priests and smote off his ear. Then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into its place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? Many times when we find ourselves friends in difficult trying in hard situations, we turn to human ingenuity. But Jesus trusted the Father. We turn to the arm of the flesh, but Jesus trusted the Father. See, many times, even when we're in the center of God's will, do you realize that as pastor, 
I, 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 I'm in the center of God's will. I, I'm, I'm leading spiritually this work here. But do you realize that I can depend upon the arm of the flesh? Did you know, I'm going to be honest with you, with this COVID stuff, there was a lot of pressure from a lot of different people that, that requested a lot of different things from me. And you know, I want to be liked by everybody just like you do. <laughs> I'm not out there to make enemies. But friends, can I tell you, I've got to trust the Father to do what I believe he wants us to do. It'd be easy to trust in the arm of the flesh, but it would be wrong. See, my point is, even in the will of God, we can be tempted to trust in the arm of the flesh. See, when things get difficult, and when we don't understand what God is up to, we end up trying to help God out and trusting in the arm of the flesh. Jesus didn't do that. He trusted the Father. In Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 5, the Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. First, the Bible tells us in that verse that those who trust in the flesh are cursed. What does that mean? That there will be evil that will be brought about or upon you. I don't want that. When we trust in the arm of the flesh, when you and I, when we trust, there's going to be evil that will be brought about. When we decide not to trust the Father, there's going to be evil that will be brought about. Peter tried to trust the arm of the flesh by taking out a sword and saying, I'm going to deliver you, Lord. No, Jesus said, I'm going to trust the Father. The second thing that we find from Jeremiah chapter 17 is that those who trust in the arm of the flesh, their heart departs from the Lord. Oh, friend, I don't know about you. I only can speak for myself. But I pray just about every day that my heart would be, grow close to the Lord so that I would know his will. I want to do his will. You know what that means? That my heart would depart from the Lord, that I would turn aside from trusting God. You know what the point is? You can't trust in the power of God and in the arm of the flesh at the same time. You're either going to do one or the other. And the betrayal of Jesus teaches us to trust in the Father. It's too many times we're like Peter, aren't we? He saw a problem and he literally swung into action. He was, see the hill, take the hill. I don't know about that individual whose ear was chopped off but if you've ever had a head wound, there's blood everywhere. And could you imagine this guy's ear has just been chopped off and his blood is everywhere. For some reason, I, I, I can't help but think that the guy was probably uh, breathing in pain. Jesus says, Peter, put up your sword. He picks up his ear off the ground and puts it back on his head and heals him. I might have came in on the side of those who were betraying Jesus, but I would have left on the side of Jesus after that. See, Jesus was trying to teach Peter and all of us that we don't trust in the arm of the flesh. Jesus said, my father is able to deliver me. It was when Jesus was in the center of God's will, he was going to die for the sins of the world. And there was great pressure from the human standpoint to try and do something in the flesh that instead he trusted in the Father even in the face of certain death. My friend, what about you? Are you trusting in your own flesh, in your own good deeds to get you to heaven? 
can't do that. It's not going to work. You've got to trust in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to put your faith and trust in the Father. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Trust in him to be your personal savior. Believe that he died on the cross for your sins and that he rose again three days later according to the scripture. You're not going to trust in a confirmation. You're not going to trust in a baptism. You're not going to trust in a holy communion. You're not going to trust in being somebody, uh, a, a person in the church. You're not going to trust in giving to the church. You're going to fully trust in Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question, Christian friend. How far will you go in trusting the Father? Will you allow the Father to stretch your faith in ways that's never been stretched before? Jesus was willing to trust the Father in the face of certain death. Will you trust the Father with your finances? Or are you going to trust in the arm of the flesh? I can't afford to give to the work of God. Are you going to trust the Father with your health? Are you going to trust the Father with your job? Are you going to trust the Father with your family? Are you going to trust the Father with your children? Are you going to trust the Father with your living conditions? See, we talk a great deal about trusting the Father, but many times when we have to make a tough decision, we end up trusting in the flesh. See, the reason that Jesus was able to trust in the Father was because even though he knew that it would cause him great suffering trusting in the Father, he knew some things. And here's how I can help you to trust the Father in difficult times. You might want to write this down. The reason that Jesus could trust the Father was because he knew that the Father was good. Psalm 34 verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Friend, you've got to remember that when you're in difficult circumstances, when you're in a trying place in your life, remember that God is good. Secondly, you can trust the Father just like Jesus, because Jesus knew that the Father loved him. He knew that the Father was loved. 1 John 4, 8 says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. You can trust the Father because God loves you. But thirdly, you can trust the Father like Jesus, because he knew that God knew all things, or knows all things, past, present, and future, 1 John 3.20 says, For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our hearts and knoweth all things. Guess what? He knows your situation. And Jesus knew that the Father knew exactly where Jesus was in the garden. He knew exactly what was happening to Jesus. He knew exactly what the outcome was going to be. And guess what? The outcome was ultimate defeat of sin, hell, and the grave and salvation for us. Though from a human standpoint, look what looked like a great tragedy, unimaginable suffering, and total defeat of Jesus ends up being the greatest story, life-giving story that has ever been told. See, Jesus trusted the Father because he knew that the Father wanted what was best for him, and God had the power to make all things work together for good. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. 
I want you to think about something. Would you have a hard time trusting someone who you know is good, who you know loves you, and who you know wants your best? Would you have a hard time trusting that person? I know I wouldn't. If I knew that somebody wanted my best, if I knew that somebody loved me, and I knew that they were always going to be good to me, you know what? You wouldn't have a hard time trusting that person either. That's exactly who the Father is. Make the commitment to trust the Father no matter what the circumstances are today. Jesus' betrayal cost him his life so that we could have life, and we're to live as friends of sinners. We are to trust the Father, and then thirdly, Jesus followed the Scriptures, verses 54 through 56. The Bible tells us that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. Well, what are those words? Those words are Scripture. And Jesus is a wonderful example of what it means to follow or fulfill the scriptures. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17 says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall no wise pass from the law till it all be fulfilled. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen, unto the glory of God by us. See, what I'm trying to stress to you here is that Jesus is our example in following the scriptures. He did not debate with the Father what he wanted to do or what he wanted to follow. He didn't tell the Father, well, this, was, this is too hard to follow the scriptures. No, he just followed the scriptures. See, when you and I, when we follow the scriptures, it reveals something. It truly reveals our love for Christ. You know, many Christians talk about loving Jesus. Oh, I love Jesus, but they're not obedient to the scriptures. Guess what? You really don't love Jesus. See, the Bible tells us in John chapter 14 and verse 15, if ye love me, keep my commandments. And later on, about nine verses later, in verse 24, it says, He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. So if you love the Lord, you're going to follow the Scriptures. Or you can say that you love the Lord, and if you don't follow the Scriptures, you really don't. See, if we struggle at times to follow the Scriptures, it shows that there's a problem in our relationship, our fellowship with Christ. And it's one thing to struggle with that because we all struggle with the flesh. But friend, if there is no desire to follow the scriptures at all, then there's a major problem. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 22, if any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema maranatha. See, the person who has no desire to follow the Bible does not love Christ. and Therefore, that means that they're not a Christian. In 1 John 2 verses 4 and 5, the Bible says, he saith, he that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby we know that we are in him. See, those who say that they're believers in Christ but do not follow the Bible, the Bible plainly teaches us that they're not Christians. In fact, they're lying. They're lying to you and to me, and they're lying to themselves. Romans chapter 8, verses 12 and 14 say it this way, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. 
But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led of the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. See, my point is, friends, that as Christians, we're the ones who are, we ought to be one increasingly not sinning, but following the Scriptures. Jesus fulfilled or followed and obeyed the Scriptures because he loved the Father. He had a relationship with the Father. Friend, the betrayal of Jesus cost him his life so that we could have life. Not that we could live our lives any way that we want, but so that we could live our lives as friends of sinners, trusting the Father and following the Scriptures. I want you to evaluate your life right now. What friend do you have that's a, not a Christian that you're helping to come to Christ? In what area are you having a struggle in trusting the Father? Turn it over to him and trust him. Where do you find it difficult to follow the scriptures? Commit to do what the Bible says and leave the results to God. My friend, you might not know Christ as your personal savior. And in the middle of this message, I said, you can't trust in the arm of the flesh. You can't trust in yourself. You can't trust in religion. You can't trust in good deeds, but you've got to trust in the father. You got to trust that Jesus Christ came to this earth and died on the cross for your sins, that he paid the price. Ask him to come into your life. Trust him as your personal savior. Ask him to forgive you of your sins and then live for him. Friend, if you would like to know how to continue on your journey as a Christian, and if you've trusted Christ as your personal savior by calling out to Jesus and saying, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner according to your word, and I'm placing my trust in you right now. I wanna live for you. I know that you died on the cross for my sins. And I'm asking you to forgive me of them so that when I die, I can go to be with you. If you've done that, I'd like to send you a Bible and a book today to be able to help you on your journey. If you just fill out the electronic connection card, we'd be able to give you uh, the opportunity to be able to receive those gifts. And I ask that you would take a moment to do that. People in the past have done that, and we've been able to help them. For the Christian today, are you living your life different because of the betrayal of Christ? See, he was betrayed and his life taken in order that you and I could have life. To live our lives, friends to sinners, trusting the Father and following the scriptures. God bless you and have a great day. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. 
Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.